Welcome back to another episode of the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. Like always, I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Willard, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Stephen Mannion and Pastor Mike uh, Rigglesworth, who just turned 35 today. He is he's getting there, folks. I'm an old man. He's an old man. Yep. And of course, we got Bradley, the man with the redacted last name, our producer, over here <laughs> on the board with us. And we have a special guest speaker today that I'm extremely excited to hear from. But before we do that, let me just do a quick information of the coffee that we are drinking. Now, once again, we are drinking from Bones Coffee Company. And instead of going into their whole bio, bio on it, we, the past three weeks, have been drinking this. And we'll probably continue to drink from this company because it's just that good. I actually ordered Banana Fosters that's coming in, and I'm excited. I, what? No, I didn't have it already. It, it is I'm good, but I, I still prefer like normal coffee without flavors. Folgers. Yeah, it's not Folgers. It's definitely like a dessert kind of flavor coffee, yeah. and it's so good. So if you guys want to order or check more out, go to BonesCoffee.com. That's BonesCoffee.com. Now, let me introduce our guest speaker for today. Let's see if I can pronounce this. We have Dr. Kajimirsh. How did I do on that one? It was near perfect. Ah, Dr. Kazimierz Brown. Braun, we have him in studio today. Let me give you a quick bio of him. He is a theater director, a writer, and a scholar. This gentleman has done everything. He graduated from the Polish Literature Department of Adam Mickiewicz University in Poznan, where he earned his PhD in 1971, and from the directing department at the Warsaw School of Drama. He was appointed full professor with tenure at the University of Buffalo, SUNY, USA, in 1989 and received professor state title in Poland in 1992 based on the 1984 resolution of the Warclaw University blocked by the communist authorities. He was an art, um, artistic director and general manager of the City Theater in, in Oshtawar, Lublin, and of the Contemporary Theater in Warclaw. Since 1985, he lives and works in the USA. He has directed more than 150 theater and television productions in Poland, USA, Canada, Ireland, Germany, and many other countries. He taught at Polish universities, um, Warclaw University, Adam Mikhaich University at Poznan, and Jagiellonian University in Krakow. He has also taught in American universities such as New York University, University of California in Santa Cruz, and the University at Buffalo here in Buffalo, New York. He also has authored more than 50 books, among them theater 50. histories... Studies, novels, dramas, and poetry. He is published in Polish, English, Spanish, Czech, Russian, and Ukrainian languages. So please, big wow. welcome to the podcast, Dr. Braun. How are you doing today? <laughs> Humbling introduction. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you so deserve the, it. The, uh, the reason we have Dr. Braun on, I'll, I'll briefly, um, there is a gentleman in my church who's from Poland who's 98. Six years old, well, a gentleman associated with my church, and his name's Polycarp Van Piers. And uh, he actually was in a Russian gulag. And, um, and now he, he lives here, and he's, um, he's a couple times told his son that he's watching the news, and his son will come in, and he's, his dad's crying, hmm. crying. And um, th just yesterday, he told me that his dad was crying and said, What are they doing to America? What are they doing? Like, you know, because this guy came here years and years and years ago to, to freedom and is just like crushed. And um, I think I think um, 
we in the United States who are born and raised here don't necessarily see the, the bird's eye view of what's going on. And, and, and we're, you know, I mean, we see, we can kind of sense there's problems, <laughs> sense mm-hmm. something's wrong. And if you study history, you can, you can put your fingers on a lot of the things that mm-hmm. are, that are wrong. But, um, uh, James, James Robert Kibbe, who's, who is a friend of our podcast, um, and who will be on, uh, I think in June, I, I forget. Um, he, um, sent me a video of, of our guest, Dr. Braun, um, speaking at St. Bartholomew church about this very topic and, um, about, um, his experience, uh, growing his experience living in and growing up in, um, communism and, uh, totalitarianism and, uh, there and what he and his his concern for the United States. So 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 we have him here today. We're grateful to have you, and um, we just wanted to we were we just want to give you um, free reign to just go off, <laughs> and even if it takes thirty minutes, and just share um, your story, uh, what brought you to America, and what does your heart. And your mind say as you see where we are now, and then after that we will follow up with any questions we have, if that's okay. So just go ahead and and you know. All right. Thank you very much for the introduction and for 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 this also invitation to to speak to you. Uh, indeed, I have lived half of my mature life in Poland and it was a time when Poland was under totalitarian communist regime. It was called uh, real socialism but here I think we have to explain immediately from socialism to communism is only a small step. And the regime which I experienced was indeed a a heavy totalitarian regime. Uh, Yes, half of my wife, uh, of my life. During that life, uh, I experienced (laughs) how this regime works. First of all, it was an experience of my family. Uh, My father and my uncle were uh, involved with uh, struggle with communism, and for that they were both jailed for years. Uh, When my father was in jail, he was called the enemy of the state, and I was the son of the enemy of the state. When I, when I uh, passed 18, I personally was the enemy of the state. <laughs> uh, because of that, when I finished my high school, my father was still in prison. It was, it was the Stalinist heavy prison uh, I was not accepted uh, at the university. Mm. I wanted to study, but as a son of of the enemy of the state, I was not accepted. I was accepted only after some slight 
real yet slight changes in the regime, which happened in that part of the world after the death of Stalin, 1953, and the relative, relative only relaxation of the regime uh, around 1955-56. So then I was accepted uh, at the university. But uh, <laughs> jumping to the very end, I, I will go back, <laughs> but jumping to the very end of my Polish story, uh, when in 1980s, precisely it was uh, 1980, Solidarity Movement was uh, organized in Poland, uh, I became, um, I think, very active activist of Solidarity. And when martial law was imposed in Poland by the communist regime, by the Communist military junta in 1981. Uh, soon after that, I was fired from wherever I worked. This was the nature of the totalitarian regime at that time. As you as you mentioned already in the introduction, I was a general manager and artistic director of a theater, a good large professional theater. Uh, here I will uh, pronounce correctly <laughs> the name of I tried. The city. I, I, I googled, I YouTubed how to pronounce these things, and I was just like, oh no. Wroclaw. 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 Yeah, this that, is the I would have gotten that right. Wroclaw. Oh, my bad. Wroclaw totally. is the, a very interesting history of that, of that city, big, large city, big university center, industrial center. Um, centuries ago, a Polish city. Then, almost 500 years as a part of Germany, one of the German states until Germany was united in the 19th century, and after the Second World War, returning to Poland. So this is Wrocław. So I, I have that, that theater. But at the same time, I was teaching at the university in Wrocław. And I was teaching at the School of Drama in Wrocław, based on my preparation and profession, of course. And one beautiful day, I was fired from my theater because of my oppositional activities. Soon after, I was fired from the university, and soon after, I was informed that my contract with the School of Drama will be not prolonged. Wow. Mm. Additionally, mm. I have a book, a new book. Actually, I published already several books uh, in Poland <laughs> before I published here in America. So, uh, my last book, uh, which was accepted for print, it was close to be, to be printed, uh, somehow disappeared from the publisher, and <laughs> the publisher could not mm. find it. Darn. Wow. <laughs> so this is this shows you how a totalitarian regime works. Definition, definition. As an old professor, I like definition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, you, and, you and Ryan would get along. I yeah. literally That's Ryan's my dance. first question so, is can you define these terms? <laughs> all right. So 
It, it is purposely a redundant definition. Okay. Because the definition of a totalitarian regime is, it is a regime which totally, totalitarian regime, mm -hmm. which totally controls everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. Very simply, everybody, movement, travel, speech, of course, publications, of course, they they try to control the thoughts as well. Yeah. Uh, listening to the telephones, for example. <laughs> uh, so every, everybody and everything which is, first of all, controlling the economy and deciding what we can eat, what we cannot eat. Mm. <laughs> Usually there were so shortages of food in in Poland at that time. Uh, that, uh, that time. So this was the end. In between my many years of work uh, in Poland, studies, yes, then theater, uh, I, I became a professional theater director after finishing the department of directing at the Warsaw School of Drama, and I worked in many professional theaters in Poland before I uh, was, um, I, I received a theater to lead. Uh, I was, as I mentioned, uh, in Wrocław, uh, artistic director of, uh, general manager and artistic director of uh, theater. Uh, the name may be translated into uh, English as contemporary theater. Yeah. Uh, we performed in Wrocław. Uh, we traveled a lot in uh, in Europe. Last last uh, tour for which we were invited uh, to America <laughs> with two production was canceled because at that time I have been uh, terminated. I have been uh, fired from my theater. Uh, what we should know about totalitarian regime, as I said, it is a total control. This regime, contemporary totalitarian regimes, have uh, predecessors, uh, absolute regimes, mm. absolutism, in Europe, uh, beginning by Louis XIV in France, and then uh, especially 18th century Russia, Prussia, uh, Austria. Uh, these were absolute regimes which somehow prepared totalitarianism of the 20th century. Uh, in the 20th century, there were these typically totalitarian regimes. Mm. The Soviet Union, first of all, Lenin, Stalin, and and the years of Stalin's rule, rule from 1920s until he died in 1953, and then on. It did not change much, although some names were changed, some cosmetic changes were introduced, but it is almost almost. <laughs> intact, same totalitarian regime there. Second totalitarian regime, second, historically second, 
uh, was, of course, uh, Hitler's uh, 1933 uh, in Germany. This system was 100% totalitarian. And the third, oh no, I confuse. I'm sorry, I'm talking to a scholar and I confuse the historical order. <laughs> because the first regime like this was introduced, although it was eventually the weakest of those right. by Mussolini. Mm. Il Duce mm. in uh, Italy in 1922 is the beginning of that sad story said right. for Italy and for the rest of Europe and for <laughs> the rest of the world. So it was, it was Mussolini, then it was Stalin, that, then it was Hitler. But after the Second World War, with with what with accord with consent of i'm sorry to say with america of america mm. and president roosevelt mm -hmm. this soviet style totalitarian regime was allowed to be expanded mm -hmm. to spread over almost half of europe mm -hmm. All these countries subjected to the Soviet rule. In 1945, the Red Army entered Poland, but then it was Czechoslovakia, it was uh, Romania, it was Bulgaria, and other countries, of course, uh, Eastern Germany. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in those countries, this uh, system was also on this country, the system was imposed. As I'm saying <laughs> sometimes, it was not a perfect regime because if it was perfect, I would be not able to speak to you today. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Right. It was, it, we, we were able to find some niches, some ways to avoid the most uh, vicious. <laughs> You sl uh, slipped through the cracks. <laughs> yes, 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 precisely. But talking about this totalitarian regime, we have to be aware that there are totalitarian regimes around. First of all, China, of course. Right. And we should be aware in America that this is a classical, now classical, because the history is long, is, is about... The modern history of totalitarianism has almost precisely a uh, hundred years. Mm -hmm. So China is a classical totalitarian regime. North Korea, mm -hmm. Vietnam, mm -hmm. Iran, they have totalitarian regimes as we speak. And what are the, uh, the general traits of the totalitarianism? Totally of a totalitarian regime. I spoke uh, about uh, it generally. First, and I think for us here in this room, this will be most important. God is replaced by the state, and state the state is ruled by the party. Mm -hmm. So God is replaced <laughs> by the party. The opium of the masses. This is crucial. Yeah. 
the state is identified with the party, fascist party in Italy, uh, socialist party in Germany, communist party in the Soviet Union, communist party in China. So the atheistic, anti, anti-religious nature of this regime is for us most important, is number one, and we have to be aware. Secondly, totalitarian regime wants to control human body and mind. Human body by, for example, this will be a contemporary example with a long history, vaccination. It is not a new invention today, but this problem has its history in the totalitarian regimes. Let's remember also the mandatory abortion in China, Mm. the policy of two children and any, any next children killed, simply killed by the state by the regime. Also, uh, I have this beautiful uh, experience, I had this beautiful experience recently with the school to which my uh, granddaughters, uh, which my granddaughters attend. So uh, we have to be aware that in a totalitarian system, there is one program for every school, for every subject, mm-hmm. from the very beginning, including universities. So everyone learns the same, same thing curriculum. in the same way. Right. Absolutely okay. same. So the, the, this is... Uh, this is Common one core, of the excuse me. Very, very <laughs> important traces of a totalitarian regime. Next. Totalitarian regime controls the judiciary, hmm. controls, controls the courts. Yeah. There is practically, and I experienced it with my father, with my, with my uncle. Yeah. They, they, they had trials. They had trials in courts, yeah. military courts, by the way. But, yeah, quote unquote trials. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. But, but, the sentence was already decided before the trial. The, uh, the, the court system was a part of the regime, was a part of the, of the system, and was used for these reasons, not to pursue justice. Totalitarian regime attacks family. It wants to destroy traditional, natural, and normal family. Mm-hmm. Why? Because lonely people, individuals, are easier to control. Mm. Mm. Let, me, let wow. me tell you one very personal story here. During the martial law in Poland, I was still working yet uh, oh, 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 in my theater. Uh, I was looking for material. What should we produce to to connect with our spectators, to to say something important, to say something which they expect. And I found The Plague by Camus, The Plague, the novel. Mm -hmm. I made an adaptation of it. Uh, 
I'm looking at you, and I will tell you what an old professor of mine once say. And I remember that. If you did not read it, read it by yesterday. <laughs> Because this is a classic. Yeah. So read it by yesterday. Who, uh, uh, who wrote that, The Plague? Camus. Oh, Camus, Camus, Albert Camus. C-A-M-U-S. Okay. This is the For last name. For all our listeners to read it. Yeah. The and you don't want me, Ryan, to pronounce it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of you would have said Camus. Of course, translated <laughs> in so many languages, including English, of course. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, yes, I made this adap adaptation of this novel, at it, and it was also produced here in America. Oh, wow. It And it was... Uh, oh, by the way, check... The Drama Review, a magazine, a theater magazine, where my adaptation of The Plague by Camus was, was printed. Nice. Oh, it was okay. published. Great. Yes. Great. yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking about it because, uh, by the way, uh, Camus received Nobel Prize for this and other novels great writer. So in this novel, he shows what a regime like this, what the plague, this was a metaphor, this was a metaphor of the situation in France mm -hmm. under uh, Nazi German regime during Second World War. So how the system worked? It wants to isolate everybody individually. Yeah. Because yes, they're weaker true. Mm -hmm. without yes. having the support and camaraderie of family yes. and then you, yes. yeah yes wow. yes true because we are individually sick yeah and we are individually dying <laughs> so they they know that so they they try to make people alone. This is how this system works, and this is why this system tries to destroy a traditional family with strong bonds, with strong ties between uh, all members of, of a family. Right. Mm. This, is, this is why they are doing it. And this is obvious, but it, it should be said. Totalitarian system is complete opposition of a democracy. Yes. Mm -hmm. No, no democracy. <clears throat> the, sometimes people, people were deceived, even at the West, people were deceived. There were uh, uh, elections, for example, in Poland, elections in which the result of which were already prepared by the Politburo <laughs> of the Communist Party. When you can only vote for one person, what is an election? Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, so uh, <laughs> this, was, this was an appearance only, yeah. not, not, not real elections. And now, uh, this was general, what I was saying. A few more specific characteristics of the regime. One political party. Also, for the appearances in Poland, we had like uh, other parties, but uh, peasants party, uh, democratic party, even one was called, not a communist party, uh, but 
they were under total control of the Communist Party. So one party system controlling the legislature, the government, the judiciary, mm. and the military. Also in the military, all higher rankings uh, office officers yeah. had to be members of the party. There was no promotion without being... Make sure they're loyal. Be, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. There was no promotion for young men who wants to advance in, uh, in the military if they were not members of the party. Yeah. So one party rule... Uh, as I said, control of the ju judiciary, uh, control of economy, censorship, ah. such a big mm -hmm. thing. I, as a theater person, as a writer, as a scholar, I experience it on every, on the everyday basis. All books were, of course, censors. Mm. Invitations for marriages were had to be censored. Wow. Mm. Yes, censored. <laughs> yes, they had wow. to be. Everything printed had to be sent to the censorship, and the censorship either allowed or not. Uh, as uh, artistic director of, of a theater, I had many encounter encounters. Nice word. Yeah. <laughs> I had many conflicts with censorship <laughs> when I wanted to produce a play, and I I had to submit a, a copy of the play, mm. of course. They read it, and many times I was refused, simply. Mm -hmm. Or when they gave permission, the permission was conditional because... There was one level, a permission for the play to right. start the rehearsals, but the second level of control was the censor would come for the dress, for the general rehearsal of a play to the theater, yeah. and they would watch the show and give or not give permission <laughs> to perform Continue. it for That's the crazy. public. Wow. And it happened to me. A few times when a production was ready, of course, with the whole effort of the company, with all uh, the expenses, with, uh, <laughs> with the whole process of, of producing it. And play. I'm sure they didn't help you with the expenses. That was still on you. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the censor would come and they would say, no, no permission to to produce it. It happened to me. It yeah. happened oh. to me. So, did, so you, did you ever find them, say you handed in a pamphlet for one of your plays, and you, you look through it and you're like, this seems really good. They shouldn't reject it. Did you find they ever rejected things just for the sake of rejection? I don't think so, but okay. they were they were vigilant, guarding the system. Okay. But mm -hmm. talking about this, perhaps I can say something now. Now, I would I'm talking about dark things all the time. Yeah. Let let <laughs> me, let me tell you also something something 
on the bright side. Yeah. Fighting with censorship, we, in the 1980s, when the martial law, the most severe form of a totalitarian regime, when mm-hmm. martial law was introduced in Poland, in order to avoid the censorship, we started to do productions in secret, underground. Mm. Interesting. There was an underground theater in Poland, and we prepared shows, small shows, in private apartments, in private homes, in the churches. This was interesting because in the churches, of course, they were somehow public, but this was the situation in Poland, but the the regime did not dare to enter a church and interrupt the production. They would arrest people leaving the church after the the production, and this happened uh, from time to time, right. but they did not interrupt. Uh, they did not dare, as I said, uh, a production in the church. How come? Uh, How come they didn't just bust in and say, stop what your guys are doing? They're just a reverence I, there. I yes, yes, you're right. Some hidden subconscious right. reverence that, yes, that couldn't get yeah, knocked out of them. Yes, right. yes, mm. and and I should say that traditional, very strong role, very strong position of the Catholic Church. Yeah, Poland, Poland has a deep history. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Right. So mm. this was, <laughs> oh, and and I remember several beautiful productions, very small scale. Uh, living room, uh, 50, 60 people, actors, uh, some small uh, spot in, in the corner of, <laughs> of, of this living room performing, but these productions were so energetic, so... Imagine intimate so as well. So beautiful, yes. Yes, <laughs> wow. yes. so... Uh, these are major characteristics of a totalitarian regime. Situation in Poland at that time, uh, constant shortages of food and gas, hmm. travel restrictions, uh, <laughs> other things. So maybe this this should be my... Uh, my my introductory <laughs> <laughs> presentation about the totalitarian <clears throat> regime, which I recall from Poland. Wow, wow, that's great. So, so question now: How long have you spent in the United States? Could you repeat, please? Sure. How long have you been in the United how States? Long? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Today, I'm an, a, a professor emeritus of University of Buffalo, which, where I work about 30 years. Wow. wow. About 30 years. So I, I can tell you precisely, as a historian of theater and historian generally, I like dates. So <laughs> <laughs> today we have 2021. I came to America in 1985, mm. and I was teaching New York, California, somewhere, and then I came to Buffalo, okay. and it was almost 30 years. Wow, that's in great. Buffalo. So you've been here long enough to see 
a big change in, in, in America right. in the United States right. since the 80s. Yeah. It's not just yeah. noticing characteristics. Yeah. It's Decline. experiencing these characteristics right. that you're noticing are changing, which is, which is important. Here, I should say that until two years ago, we feel like we came to America to, we feel that we came to a free country. Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And these changes started to, hmm. to crawl in yeah. about two years ago. Okay, so what, what were those changes? Do you remember the, the moment when, you're just, when you thought to yourself, the oh no is starting to happen? A moment, probably moments like this watching TV, when we knew that, like my, like some, my friend, yeah. that some news is false, Hmm. I've seen this before. (laughs) Yes, yes. We knew that, but a presenter, a journalist, was telling us something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lying to us, lying to us. Yeah. So these were probably the the, the first alarming uh, moments uh, when we started to realize that and and news about about censorship about censorship recently not so recently but recently as well a cancelling of people's accounts yeah mm-hmm. on right. the internet mm-hmm. uh, right cancel culture right this movement can cancel culture social media which is for me this is Terrifying term, cult, cancel culture. Uh, one of my subjects at the university, uh, even here in Buffalo, I was mm-hmm. teaching the history of civilization wow. and culture. Wow, culture and civilization. So uh, the movement cancel culture is frightening. Yeah. For me. So, what other things are you seeing in the United States that kind of ring true to you, or or, or scare you, or, or make you concerned for our our uh, our direction? All right. So, returning to my to my re- recollections about the totalitarian regime, which I know personally <laughs> from my experience in America. And this was this is quite uh, recent. One party rule, one party rule, which was typical for the totalitarian regime mm. in Poland, which I know, uh, and here, executive, uh, Congress, uh, big tech, big pharma. Uh, all these bigs, one one side. So it looks like it is not yet, but it looks like one party rule presently, which is frightening for me. Hmm. Secondly, of course, again, I, I'm repeating it probably for the third time: the censorship, hmm. the censorship, mounting censorship. This is what connects for me in my memory, in my consciousness, which connects with in me uh, my knowledge about the totalitarian regime in Poland with what is happening in America presently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Censorship, yes. Freedom of speech trampled. 
I heard two days ago, I'm watching on the TV, somebody was fired from, from their job uh, because they said something. Because they said, they did not hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. They said something. And they were right. Freedom of speech, Trump. It's happening a lot now. Yeah. Yes. So yes. There's a term in the philosophy of like relativism that's called strategic tolerance. Do you, by any chance, think there's within the social media, what is called a strategic censorship? Is there any sense of censorship that's good that you that you find good, or is it all just bad um, in your eyes? I would say all bad except okay. some moral fields. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which, if they're trying to get rid of religion, where the objective morality comes from, right. then what is immoral? Yeah. Right. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. So I would, uh, I would accept, yes, censorship on clearly moral grounds. Yeah, I like that. But none other form of censorship. I like that. So you said something right back in the beginning that I found interesting. You said there, there, socialism to communism is a very small step. Can you, for our listeners who don't fully grasp what socialism and communism is, can you explain both of them? And then tell like what that small step is. Young people you. these days think that socialism is the bee's knees. I mean, they yes. think it's the greatest yeah. thing. Not all, not all, but generally they think it's especially in the university campuses yeah. right now. Right. Yeah, um, they're being told it's like the answer. Oh, it's not, you know. I would say it is only mostly a different label. Interesting. Okay. Yes, for the same system. Politically and economically. Okay. Economically, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, State-run economy right. in both socialism and communis communism. One-party rule, both in socialist states, which uh, Poland was called a socialist state mm. uh, at that time, and in classical communism, same thing, one-party rule. Yeah. So these are probably two most important elements of <laughs> two most important <laughs> similarities and identities. <laughs> right. So what's that small step, though? You mentioned it's a very, that can just push you over the edge Changing the label. Just <laughs> changing the label. Yeah. That's funny. So, so Stephen mentioned this just a moment ago that socialism is gaining a lot of traction with millennials and some some of the people in Gen Z, the up and coming generation. Uh, so my question is: To what extent is what you're seeing initiated by the government, and to what extent is it um, is it happening because of there being a free exchange of ideas. Like we see socialist and, and some communistic ideas being presented on Facebook and they're gaining traction. So is this initiated by the government or is this really just something that's coming from the bottom up? Certainly from the government, yes, from the politicians, influential politicians. But uh, 
from the other side, for me, it is lack of knowledge. Mm. It is lack of information. Okay. Not knowing what our history. really these systems, socialism or communism, what they are. And I think the most simple way to explain it, look at the economy and look mm. at, this, at the freedom of speech. Look at these two elements and you will be able to tell that this is wrong. This is not a world in which you would like to, to, to live. Mm-hmm. When, when your speech, when your mind, therefore, is controlled and what you buy, what you eat is controlled. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, like, you know, capitalism is an unequal sharing of freedom and socialism is uh, an equal sharing of misery, something to that extent. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I agree with yeah. that. Eventually it, you run out of other people's money. Yeah. Right. Yes. There's and, no way to generate money yeah. in that, yes. in that also government. What, what we can tell these young people, look what were the results yes. of these regimes. What, what, what happened to these regimes? What happened to these regimes? What happened to socialists? People like, like, or I don't know why, they forget that Hitler was first of all a socialist. Hmm. He created the National Socialist Party. This was the official name of the Nazi party. He was a socialist. Let's let's see that clearly. Yeah. This that's was what, socialist. That's yes, what, that's what fascism is. It's it's the government, uh, totalitarian government, working with corporations. Yes, to, to control. And that's yes, what, true. That's what fascism is. Yes, true. Right. Right. Yes, 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 true. Um, so I had a question too. Um, so uh, our resident millennial. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but so I know people that have uh, gone to modern day China and come back and like said like when you're in China, um, negative information about the Chinese Communist Party is blocked. Um, you can go on the internet, you can read books, but you cannot read stuff that negatively shows. Um, anything bad about the communist party. And so when you were saying censorship, I was wondering if you meant also that or not just people's um, opinions being taken down. Was it kind of the same in Poland? If you had um, a negative perception, you would be censored? Of course. Yes. No, uh, I would say no negative opinion about the regime on the regime was allowed. By the way, I visited China too. I know China. I can tell you, for example, that this small example. I wanted to speak to some, to a Chinese director. I was told by my guide. I was on on an official trip that I have to apply. Hmm. The director will be chosen, and in about a month, I will be given a, an opportunity to meet and talk. To this person, <laughs> of course, if this would happen, I would not. I was not so long uh, to, to 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 wait for, right. yeah. for that wait here for a month. in China. Yeah. But uh, but of course, such a person would be prepared, would be instructed how to talk to me, and so on and so forth. So, total control. Yes. 
There's one question I want to make sure I ask you because this is a hot thing um, in our and obviously socialism and communism come out of Marxism. Um, and uh, so there's a term in the United States called cultural Marxism right now, mm. which you I'm sure you've heard of. But there is yes. a, a quote here by um, f- from this book I have here called um, Live Not by Lies by Rod Dreher, a manual for Christian dissidents. And this is what he says. He says elites, and this is him addressing this issue, elites and elite institutions are abandoning old-fashioned liberalism, classic liberalism, uh, based in defending the rights of the individual and replacing it with progress a progressive creed that regards justice in terms of groups. Hmm. It encourages people to identify with groups, ethical, sexual, and otherwise, and to think of good and evil as a matter of power dynamics among groups. So the whole cultural hegemony concept and um, overpower the, the cultural hegemony with a new hegemony. And um, and so the cultural Marxism thing is them pitting us against each other, like blacks against whites, uh, straight against homosexuals, you know, all this where it's um, where you're no longer an individual, but now you are part of a group of a class. Interesting. And so uh, um, do you have any thoughts on that? And did you, I know that didn't happen the exact same way in, in, uh, in, in Poland, but these whole causing uh, divisions and. Yes. Yes. By the way, very interesting and profound quote you, yeah. <laughs> you, you share with us. I think that the, the center of this problem, this matter, is the, is the question, are the questions about the individual? Is a human being, as an individual, created by God, mm. uh, equipped with some rights, is this individual, uh, can this individual uh, govern his, her own life, Mm. destiny, or it might adhere to a group, or it will be given by, as they say, older and... uh, uh, and wiser, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the elites who know what's what's right. what's, yes. what's best for us. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it is. I think the in the center of this discussions stays the individual. Yeah, yeah, because when you right. make everybody into a group, then individuals lose their dignity yes. and their value, Absolutely. and then it's easier to ostracize their value the Jews by or the, the value of the group yeah. rather and, than, and yeah. freedom and freedom. Yeah. And you can make blanket judgments on somebody based on the color of their skin or yes. their sexuality yes. and things like yes. that. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's it's. Yes. That, I mean, that's like I took political science a few times, and like that's socialist like one hundred and one is uh, is the value of the group better than the value of the individual. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. So you did say something um, I wanted to ask you about. You talked about how in one of these um, regimes, the totalitarian, totalitarianism, um, it takes step to make the people more anti-religious. Um, you said something about becoming anti-religious. Yes. So can you list off some of the steps that you have seen 
and offer your experience. Has America been affected by those steps? Or uh, very simply and practically, thousands of the priests sent to prisons Hmm. by both uh, the Soviets and the Nazis. Uh, In during my life in Poland, many priests in in jail, many priests killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, religious orders disbanded, mm. uh, deprived of their uh, monasteries, mm. uh, which were nationalized, changing to schools or something. Mm. Yeah, I think it was Pastor Clark uh, during the American Revolution, who the, one of the guy who was at Lexington, and he said, uh, the taking away of civil liberty inevitably, inevitably leads to the ruin of religious liberty as well. Yes, true, true. I agree with that. Also, uh, limited access to uh, church services. Mm. Uh, I remember from my school years, there is a big feast which we want to attend, we, my colleagues, but the school is organizing at the same time some kind of sport uh, event, and we have to attend. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. Now, something that I've heard some people theorize, and I think it's interesting, I'm not sure where I land on this exactly, but I'd be curious to hear your perspective. Some people have expressed concerns about politicians, locals, uh, you know, and state level and federal level using the pandemic as an opportunity to grab for more power. Do you think that that's happening? Absolutely. Yes, I feel that and I see that and I think I I understand that, yes, this okay. process, I see it very clearly, yes. Yeah, one of the things about that, Mike, one of the things this, uh, in this book um, that I just mentioned, Live Not by Lies, he talks about is that is that people um, will surrender political rights in exchange for guarantees of personal pleasure or, or security. Mm. So the whole, you know, we'll give you $1,400 if you just swallow the rest of this bill. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, so that you, they satisfy an immediate anxiety um, in exchange for freedom. Yes. And people will do it because it's, it satisfies an immediate need. So it's like that whole um, right. in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your advice on social media? Um, we know statistically over the past so many years, though people have been connected with more people than ever before, there is in a... a a lack of emotion and connection with people, which is funny. You can be the loneliest person, but have a a million friends (laughs) online, which is a fascinating thing to think about. What is your advice towards people, especially the millennial generation on social media? Is it to do it better or do less of it? Or what's your opinion and advice? Or get off. Or get (laughs) Get off. What's what's your advice towards social media for the people listening? My advice, uh, I I should be asked for an advice. <laughs> I may share my thought. Yeah. Be selective. Okay. okay. This is my answer. Yeah. Careful. Be selective. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Twice. Okay. 
I like that. Not not uh, statistics, not uh, numbers, but mm. who is this this person you interact you want to interact with? Right. Don't just like something because it's interesting. Like like it for the the like the value. That yes. It is. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So you've expressed some concerns about where our nation is heading and the parallels between um, you know the, the regimes that you've lived under. What 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 are some next steps that we could take? You know, what do we what do we do moving forward? Mm, that's good. Everybody is asking this question, and that's good that you are asking these questions ourselves. Preserve your freedom. Preserve your freedom wherever you are able to, mm-hmm. and maybe gradually enlarge the, that uh, margin of your individual freedom sharing it with other people. But I think that the key key notion here is freedom. Mm-hmm. Your personal, your individual, your own freedom. That's great. That's great. So did you find then your experiences, because you said something interesting about how the government tries to replace God in people's lives in, in, a, in a certain sense. Did you find that your experiences solidified your belief in faith even more? Yes. Okay. Yes, certainly, certainly. Uh, in a way, when the world around is so dark, yeah. this, <laughs> paradoxically, but it helps you to, fi- to, to find, to look for an internal light. I like that. And some objective grounding yeah. to what is true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a question. Have you ever met Pope John Paul II? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. You have? <laughs> oh. I have a feeling you might have. Yes. What, he was a neat guy. I would love what, him. What a nice question. <laughs> if you are asking me, I uh, yeah. may tell you. Actually, as a student, I was a member of a small group of students and by the way this was his Karol Wojtyła at that time mm-hmm. professor at Catholic University mm-hmm. in Lublin in Lublin years ago I was uh, I was heading a theater there mm-hmm. in Lublin in my younger <laughs> uh, all right so uh, this was his way of uh, of evangelizing of teaching uh, bring him into the woods bringing people yeah. he used to bring that into the woods creating creating small groups mm-hmm. for which he was a mentor yeah uh, so i belong to one of groups like that are you serious that's yes. amazing oh, that's awesome wow. that's so cool yes and uh, uh I had several meetings with him. I at uh, asking about that. I can say this always that I play even volleyball with the Pope. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome! They swam with him in a lake. Yes, and he was really instrumental in the in the bring the bring down communism. Oh yes, mm-hmm. but. Uh, some again, since you're asking me, I'm very happy that you asked me this question. I did not want to bring it by myself. Uh, 
I was already a student of directing in Warsaw. I had some, some work to do in Krakow, where he was already archbishop. As a member of this group of uh, young people uh, from Catholic University in Lublin, uh, he was ready and willing to meet with me. And uh, I visited him, and during that visit, he was, as you may know, he was an actor in his youth. Mm -hmm. He was an actor in an underground theater during <laughs> I was just reading a biography about him yes. I read about that yeah wow. he was an actor from uh, from acting he went to uh, to a seminary <laughs> uh, anyway he was interested in theater he was interested in what I'm doing as a young man preparing myself to be a theater director so we spoke about theater but at the end of this meeting and this was also his way of teaching people he told me write for me a paper about what about about moral challenges mm. which a young director encounters in theater Mm. Wow. Mm. I wrote this paper. It was a hard work. I worked, uh, wrote this paper. I, br I brought it. I submitted it to the secretary. Then uh, I called. She, she told me when I can, can come back for meeting with him again. So I came back and he criticized my, my, my paper, he gave me some advice, and after that he put aside the paper and he said, now listen to me. When you will be faced with choices in your life in theater, what will you choose? God or the world? Wow. Wow. That's profound. And he wow. told me, think about it, don't give me an answer now, but remember what I asked you. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. And when I joined the opposition against the communist regime, when I wanted to fight in my small, weak way with the regime doing theater, I remember this mm -hmm. question. Yes. That's neat. Wow. That's a great wow. place, I think, to, to end that. Perfect Th word. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much yeah, for fantastic. being our guest today. That wraps up our time for our podcast today. Thank you for tuning in, being our listeners. Be sure to like and subscribe. We ask that you give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to let you know, after expenses, we give proceeds that come our way to like-minded nonprofits in our area. So every time you like and subscribe... You are helping further the kingdom of God in the Buffalo region. If you would like to contact us with your feedback, with questions, future uh, topics you'd like to see us explore. Date for Bradley. A date for Bradley. <laughs> yes. Uh, any single Wait ladies the out there? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Email us at thecaffeinatedchristian706 at gmail.com. You can also find us at Facebook and Instagram at the Caffeinated Christian Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great day.